This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like the McDonald's drive through clerk likes to call me, the Fintern. Man, I love Fridays. First, Joe's mom makes cobbler. Second, Joe and OG generally leave early so I can actually get some work done. And also, it's roundtable day on the podcast. Even though I'm playing Rewind episodes, let's end this week strong with one of our old school shows. For those of you who haven't been around for too long, the Roundtable Gang used to take a wider approach to their discussions. Take today's show, for example, titled Money Moves to Make the Minute You Decide to Retire, with Harlan Landis and Buzz Index's Jamie Wise. Harlan, Paula Pant, Len Penzo, and Joe start with one piece about the most urgent items on a retirement planning list. After some back and forth there, there's a nice pivot to the home improvement conversation. You know, how do you get the most bang for your buck? Throw in a fintech segment with Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes, and even more discussion after that, and you'll start seeing what I mean. One thing did stay the same though, as much as I hate to give these guys credit, and it's that these roundtables are always a blast to listen to, no matter what format is used. Come Monday, when that other announcer dude takes back the hot mic, Joe's sitting down with Jeff Van Note, the mortgage quarterback. But that's not the only special guest. In the headlines segment, Joe will talk to the head of retirement research from Carson Wealth, Professor Jamie Hopkins. Will you be on the hook for your parents' long-term care stay? Tune in on Monday to listen in. And remember, this episode originally released in August 2016, so don't enter any mentioned giveaways or take investment advice. It's been another great week. Enjoy. Fintern out. Hey, this is Joe Crane, host of Veteran on the Move podcast. And when I'm not helping veterans transition to entrepreneurship, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from the basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, it's Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. Coming to the round table from Afford Anything, it's Paula Pant. And from Adulting.tv and the Plutus Awards, it's Harlan Landis. And last but not least, from LenPenzo.com, it's Barry Bonds. I'm just kidding, it's Len Penzo. Now, welcome our glorious, magnificent, I was promised a bonus for this, amazing host, Joe Saul Sihai. Now, where's my money? Oh, Doug, the check's in the mail. Isn't that the joke we were talking about uh, recently? Hey, everybody, I'm Joe Saul Sihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a great Friday. And guess what? We have another feature that Doug did mention. This one... Uh, we've got Jamie Wise from the Buzz Index. This is some cool fintech. I love when companies start looking at social media and are wrapping that up in investing, like, you know, the whole wisdom of the crowds thing. And uh, Jamie Wise is going to tell us all about the Buzz Index that debuted earlier this year and uh, now can be found trading under ticker symbol BUZ as an exchange-traded fund. Going to hear more about that. So let's get to it. But actually, before we do, I have to say a big thanks to everybody who went to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money lately. Because when you go to magnify money, guess what? You're able to take control of your personal financial situation much more quickly than you do if you just try to walk into the local bank. In fact, I'm going to go to magnify money right now, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All one word. Some people, by the way, have been putting in uh, magnified money. And you know what? 
we went ahead and made that a link too. So for people that do that, uh, but let's take a look at personal loans today. So if I click on personal loans and I click get personalized offers, bam, I am there saying that I need a $5,000 loan. And I see that actually SoFi is uh, our number one choice. And SoFi, if you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, you will end up with an extra $100 on a personal loan or on a student loan refinance. They also do mortgages, but there is none of that. So here's what I like about Magnify Money though. It says their grade for their fine print A plus, it's very transparent, 84 month loan APR range is going to be between 4.8 and 12.99, just on a signature unsecured loan. Maximum loan size, $100,000, no origination fee, no minimum FICO score. Then I look at Lightstream as the next one. That is 4.19, so a lower interest rate, but higher on the top end with 14.49. Gets an A for transparent, 24 to 84 months, and need a 680 credit score to get that one. So it's cool. If you look, okay, I've got a 620 credit score. Well, then I go down the fourth best offer here is Lending Club. Also gets an A for their fine print, 36 or 60 months, 5.99 to 35.89, $40,000 max loan. And there is an origination fee on that one. See how easy it was for me to compare? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And of course, as usual, our other sponsor, SoFi, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And if you go through SoFi, you will get $100 for using our link. That's cool. You already made money and you're less than five minutes into the show. Isn't that cool? But we got more. Let's get this show started with Harlan Landis from adulting.tv and the Plutus Awards, Len Penzo and Paula Pant. All right, let's walk across the basement here and fire up my dad shortwave, see if we can get the greatest minds in finance on the line. And you know, this time let's start out in Los Angeles, California, where Mr. Len Penzo, I believe, is waiting in his bunker. Joe, how are you, my friend? Have you? I am great, but my big question is, have you forgiven Paula Pant yet for disagreeing with you so vehemently last week? Yeah, we're, Paul and I are over that. She made me one of her beginner green smoothies, which, uh, <laughs> which was delicious. Uh, she made it with mint chip, mint chip ice cream. So, and, and of course, that's uh, my kind of green smoothie. Is the mint chip ice cream meant to like cancel out all the good benefits of it? That's all that was in it, Joe. <laughs> so, that's right. <laughs> Let's ask her. Paula Pant from Afford Anything. Is your green smoothie really just mint chocolate chip ice cream? <laughs> you know, it's it's so delicious. You will never miss mint chocolate chip ice cream again. Actually, that's a bit of a bold statement. <laughs> I was going to say that your nose is growing because I've had green smoothies <laughs> and I've had chocolate chip ice cream. And I know which one I prefer, but I know which one is better. Right. But that's good. It, it, it is a, that is a bit of an overstatement. But there, I, I can suggest many beginner green smoothie recipes for people who are learning how to drink their vegetables. <laughs> I didn't know ice cream was a vegetable. Since when did that happen? <laughs> That's what, that's what Grandpa Len is very close to drinking his vegetables. <laughs> He's got the honeybee spoon feeding him right now, right during the show. And wondering why he's here out on the East Coast somewhere. I, th- I think he's in New Jersey. We're about to find out. Mr. Plutus Awards and Plutus Foundation himself, Harlan Landis, joins us. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? I should have said Mr. Adulting because that's probably the thing we want people to go watch, isn't it? I would love if people would listen to and watch adulting. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, tell everybody because it's you and Miranda Marquette. You guys have it, it is fun, hilarious, and uh, and grown up talk all mixed into one. Would you say that's fair? That's absolutely fair. That's more than fair. Uh, we've had such a fun time putting this together, and uh, and uh, we started it. Uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven months ago, and it's just it's just been a lot of fun. And for everybody listening, thinking I'm sucking up to Harlan because of the Plutus Awards, we have, we have to make this clear that there's a whole committee that does that voting. That there's, there's no way that me slipping you the 20 before the show will have any impact on the Plutus, right? Well, I'm keeping that 20, but you're right. There's, <laughs> right. A, there's, there's, a, there's a great blogger panel that we have, so yeah. I don't have to actually have an opinion. It's wonderful. But if there's a tie, Harlan, you know. 
Oh, I'm the tiebreaker. <laughs> that's that's exactly where the twenty comes in. <laughs> let's let's stop joking about that because that's horrible. And let's move on to <laughs> we've got three great topics for you guys. Harlem, we're so glad you could join us and add some some levity to this thing. Uh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh, let's go. Our first one comes to us from Wisebread, uh, Mikey Rocks. Twelve money moves to make the moment you decide to retire. Len Penzo. You and I might be the closest people on this panel to, to a full. <laughs> yeah. If you just go by age, uh, the, old, the old guy go right to him first. Okay. Yeah, Mikey writes. You deserve a big fat pat on the back, a rousing rendition of "He's a Jolly Good Fellow" and a fat slice of cake when you decide to retire. They didn't say, by the way, Paula, a fat slice of green smoothie, but whatever. <laughs> Said you should enjoy it too because it's not necessarily all perfect bliss from that day forward. Rather, you have to devise a plan to keep yourself fed, clothed, housed, and healthy until the day you die. So Mikey gives us a lot of a lot of points. Did any of these surprise you? Well, I liked most of them. The manipulate your mortgage thing I thought was uh, was uh, interesting. And again, this is me being Mr. Contrarian. He says pay off your mortgage if you can. I would just as soon hold my low interest rate mortgage and not pay it off and keep that money uh, working elsewhere. That one surprised me a little bit. Like if your mortgage is at one of these low rates, like 4%, and you're earning 8% on your money, then you're, you've are you got some arbitrage going on. That's what you're talking about? And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I don't, um, to me, that's kind of a misplacement of your, of, your, of, your, of your funds, especially when you're retired. You want to have that, uh, that cushion because here's how I look at it. Once you pay that mortgage off, that money is gone for you. It, the bank takes it. Thank you very much. And you... You're done with it. Yes, you have your house, but to get that money back, you'll either have to refinance again or pull out a loan on your home or sell your house. So I would just assume I keep the money, pay my low mortgage rate and use that money and invest it elsewhere. Harlan, it's funny because some of this, I think, has to do with the psyche of the investor and all your years writing at Consumerism Commentary, when you look at mortgages, pay it off or do what Len's talking about where you have this arbitrage. This is the type of thing where it's really up to the individual. I mean, of course, you can look at the numbers and say the numbers say you should do such and such. You should pay off all of your debt and just avoid paying interest because interest is a cost that's not necessary, at least if you have the money to pay off the debt. But, you know, there's something to be said. And and I kind of had a problem with this with several points in this article because of this. Like Len said, you want to have some money available if you can, instead of just paying off your debt, um, if it's at a manageable interest rate. Because what do you want to do in retirement? There's so many different ways to retire. And it just seems to me that some of the points in this article are taking the retirement and making it not fun. This should be the highlight <laughs> of your life. Downsize your living situation to cut costs. Okay, that's that's pretty practical. Sure. Um, move to a more affordable area. Yeah, I, I get it. And I get where the author is coming from here. If you're on a fixed income in retirement, if you're not working, which is the whole point of retirement, at least I thought it was until people started talking about different types of retirement. But Right. It seems to me that this is your chance to actually live life and do the things that you want to do before it's too late. And some of those things, you know, are about life quality. And so you may not want to move to um, the middle of the country or you may not want to move to uh, an island, uh, you know, like a, like South America or something like that. And I don't mean to say South America is an island. Right. I mean an island <laughs> or South America or someplace where living is so cheap. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, you may want to go somewhere where there's arts and there's things to do and things to keep you happy. It makes sense to save your money and to use it wisely in retirement and to set yourself up for success by reducing your expenses. But also you have to keep in mind, this is this is your life. This is your chance now to spend every waking hour uh, doing something that you love doing and not necessarily worrying about whether you're going to make money at this point. Yeah, so if you can set yourself up for that now so that you can do that, it's your chance to live life. Yeah, you're talking about not having to be such a math equation and having it be this thrilling period. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. that's what it's supposed to be. This is now your chance to to not work and to start investing in rental property in retirement. It just seems like the opposite of retirement to me. Now, I know Paula has a lot of experience with with investing in real estate. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure. Oh you no, know, you're about that. dude. You're you're Paula's retired. She's beaten beaten all of us to retirement. Uh, fantastic. Are you kidding, Len? I consider talking to you a job. <laughs> 
and a full-time job. Yeah, yeah, get get in line, get in line. That's wow. I didn't mean for that to sound as mean as it did. I hope that was. I'm glad y'all laughed. It's and Len, and Len, led from last week. Boy, Paula, and I thought that smoothie solved everything. Yeah, <laughs> I I will make you another green smoothie, and I'll make it out of like green Jello and green gummy worms, and what else is green? Kermit the Frog. Algae and algae, right. yes. Right. <laughs> Jello, gummy worms, and algae. <laughs> Harlan, you're not helping. You just stay at it. <laughs> right. Well, I'm looking forward to one of these green smoothies. <laughs> I don't know, man. If it's mint chocolate chip, I'm there with you. But otherwise, Paula, you know what Harlan says about real estate. I was surprised to see. Well, actually, even before we get to that, I just want to put a cap on this idea about what Len talked about with manipulate your mortgage. I think like Harlan talked about, that really does depend on your goal. Because if you have enough money to do all the things you want to do and you can get rid of all the risk of your mortgage, well, then certainly pay it off. But if you can't, I think the arbitrage is is uh, definitely an easy way to wring a lot of money out of, this, out of the sponge, you know, and get a little more. But Paula, let's move to what Harlan alluded to earlier. I was very surprised to see, go buy some real estate, invest in a rental property so you have extra income up here in this article. Were you surprised? Oh, I hate it when people do this. So I see this kind of stuff all the time where it's a 12 point article. It's like, number one, pay off your credit cards. Number two, do you pay off your mortgage? And then like as a throwaway line, it's like number whatever, buy some rental property. And it's that kind of garbage. Wow, I'm getting really opinionated lately. It's that kind of garbage that leads people into jumping in blind and buying a rental property without doing the math. Like the number one cause of failure as a rental property investor is buying the wrong property. And that typically happens because people don't understand what they're doing. They think like, well, if if the rent covers the mortgage, I'm fine, right? Or like, whoa, that value is <laughs> going to go up, right? And that is just not the way to think about it. Like if, if you don't know how to calculate cap rate, you have no business buying a rental property. So long story short, I hate it when people glibly recommend buying a rental property in an article like this because, you know, at at best, nobody takes the advice. And at worst, people get in over their heads without doing their homework. That's what I was surprised by, Len, was that I, I just interviewed today Matt Rodak from Fund That Flip about flipping houses and mm-hmm. you know, the, his his company won't even deal with you if you're flipping your first or second house. And I think about you know even owning a house, even owning a rental property long term. That's that's the opposite of what Harlan's talking about. That's a full time damn job. Yeah, I mean, aren't you supposed to have fun in retirement? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, I I uh, bought my first house. Here's the thing with with the flip. These flipping shows make it seem so freaking easy. It's irritating. It's like in 30 minutes, they've totally renovated this house and they've thrown a coat of paint and they've put some new sod in the front yard and they've made $100,000 in 30 minutes and it looks so easy. And it is just, it's, oh, I hate it. And let me tell you something. If the market turns and you're stuck, boy, you're going to be stuck holding the house. And I'm take it from me. I bought a house at the top of the market in 1990, and I was upside down for seven years. It is not fun, people, when you're stuck upside down with a house you don't want yeah, or no, you were intending on actually, dumping. I'm going to – can I jump in here, Joe? No. No, no, no. no don't let her, Joe. No. <laughs> okay. Number one, if you are buying a rental I, – I, sorry, I don't want to turn this into a rental property conversation, but I, there are some serious misunderstandings here that I need to address. Number one, if you're buying a rental property for the purpose of cash flow, its value is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what the, what the paper value is. It doesn't matter if you're upside down on it. You're in it for cash flow and for cap rate, not for valuation. Number two, it is not a full-time job if when you run the analysis, you bake in the numbers such that you outsource every component of it. And if you go to affordanything.com, I have one page, it's called the FAQ HQ, in which I've written out precisely my net cash flow after all expenses, including debt servicing, and the number of hours that I spend on each property starting in October 2015. And, you know, October 2015, $6,102 in three hours. So, and but that's because I outsource everything. You know, November 2015, $2,209 in two and a half hours. Do you know what's so, funny, Paula? Yeah. The second that I said it was a full-time job, I knew yeah. I knew we were going to get this rant. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it immediately. I'm like, oh, it's not a full-time job. 
and I'm putting my foot right in my mouth. But no, you 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 make a great point. If you do the right home, and your investment should be that way, right? They shouldn't be. If if it truly is the right investment, you're going to do all the legwork up front so that you end up uh, still enjoying your life later. Yeah, that's, it's so important to know what you're doing before you do it in the rental property world. All right, Paula, I think, uh, have I asked you which one of these surprised you? Did any of these surprise <laughs> sorry, you? Sorry, sorry. That's okay. Have any of these surprised you? the last couple of minutes of your life. <laughs> oh, no, that, no, that was a good point. Uh, let's talk about which one surprised you. Any of these? There were a few that I thought were excellent. Um, create a last will and testament. Yeah, I, right. I hope that, you know, most people do that long before they decide to retire, but that's always good advice. Pre-plan your funeral services. I've never heard anybody recommend that before. I didn't even know that was a thing. But we used to, we used to, when I was a financial advisor, we'd recommend that all the time. And the reason is, is that it is very easy for a funeral home to suck weeping relatives into way overspending. Where when you're lucid, you'll spend a lot less money. Uh, uh, Len, you got something to say on that one? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm yepping behind yeah. the scenes no, there. Yeah, well, uh, but I'm just, my parents have done that. They, I think it's called the Trident Society. Look it up, listeners. Um, they actually I'm even refer sure that, to the to the Trident Society in this article. So, Oh, they you, did? Oh, well, so uh, uh, no, oh, ne- Neptune. It's Neptune. Neptune, that's it. Neptune Society. And my folks did that. And uh, so they're, you know, God, I hope they live for another, you know, 20 years, 30 years. Um uh, when they pass away, it's all done. The, the arrangements are made. It's paid for. And that's one less thing that I'm going to have to, you know, deal with. So uh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Hartland, any other ones you want to highlight on this list? Uh, no, I just want to point out again that the last will and testament, uh, I think, is, is uh, great and should happen way before retirement, if possible. And of course, you know, you can set these things up so it's a lot easier to change if your life situation changes through just uh, general estate planning. So that's that's a whole piece of this that you probably want to go through uh, long before you retire. Yeah, I like the things, Harlan, that come with it, like the durable power of attorney. You know, the patient advocate. So if you're in like a car accident, you can't you can't talk to your doctors, you appoint somebody to do that. That's really important stuff. Yeah, and I have to admit that I've I've gone through this process and I'm pretty well, I'm pretty far from quote unquote retirement age. I might be closer to retirement, uh, who knows. I don't know, man. You're all hobbled with that foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be limping around in retirement. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I love that story, by the way. Uh, 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 so, so, so you are currently on the injured reserve, right? Yes. <laughs> and this is just a funny story I want to highlight for a second because this was hilarious. You call your doctor to try to get in, and and <laughs> and and you said you want an appointment as soon as possible. And what did your doctor say? I asked for an appointment as soon as possible. He said, receptionist said, all right, we've got one for you next Monday at uh, 9.30. And I said, ah, well, do you have anything this week? And it takes a second. She comes back and says, yeah, we can get you in at 2.30 today. <laughs> all right. So what, what was the difference between the first time I asked and the second time I asked? Because I thought as soon as possible meant maybe she had maybe she thought that was she had to respond to me as soon as possible so the first thing she saw she recommended um but i i don't know it it just baffled me that was so awesome we'll link to that article by the way getting back to the article on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com let's move on guys to house beautiful how often do I link to housebeautiful.com this is the first time but the secret to updating your house for less according to scott McGillivray. And I'm sure a lot of people who watch HGTV know who Scott McGillivray is. I'm pronouncing that very slowly because I don't know. He talks about updating the house and he talks about how you can make updates for a lot less money. So I want to lean on you with this article. He says the front entrance could be one of the most neglected areas of people's homes. And it's often what makes a great first impression. You agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, spend a huge amount of money on the front entrance, but I like the advice that he gives, you know, uh, put another coat of paint on your front door, do a little bit of light landscaping that can really, uh, and power washing, just literally cleaning it up can go a long way. He says a shabby looking trim, a refresh, uh, giving a shabby looking trim, a refresh, or adding a new coat to dated kitchen cabinets or bathroom vanities can make all the difference. Is it true, Paula, that that when we look at kitchens and bathrooms, those are like the areas where you get your money? Uh, it, it is true that kitchens and bathrooms go a long way. In terms of the 
the refresh versus replace, a lot of it depends on the age of the components. So repainting cabinets that are warping, for example, is not really an effective use of your time and money. But if you're repainting cabinets just because the white on them has yellowed a little bit, yeah, that that can be a really good use. Same with changing out the hardware. If you've got some hardware that's sort of rusted out on the kitchen cabinetry, it's incredibly cheap to replace that. But again, uh, it all goes back to how good of condition are those cabinets in in the first place? Uh, the last thing that you want to do is throw a new countertop onto really old base cabinets that only have five years of life left. Yeah, because you're just compounding a problem then. Yeah. It's interesting. So we go back to your your uh, the discussion we had on the first article. It all comes down to doing uh, your math ahead of time before you even buy the property. Yeah, absolutely. So part of analyzing a property, if you're buying it as an investment, is to estimate what level of renovation you want to do within that property and then bake that into your total acquisition cost. So for example, don't like don't just look at the the price that you pay for a property when you're running your equations. Look at total acquisition, which is purchase plus upfront repairs in order to get it rent ready. And that will provide you with the acquisition cost. And then that is the denominator that you use when you're running like cap rate equations and and, and all of that. So that, yeah, that all just comes together. Yeah, absolutely. Harlan, I, I like one of the discussions this is a very short article by Lauren Smith on House Beautiful. But I like this when uh, Mr. McGilvray says, before you get started, he warns people from getting ahead of themselves. Quote, the biggest mistake I see homeowners make all too often is not doing a proper inspection to the home and falling into a project that's a lot bigger than they probably anticipated or budgeted for. I see that all the time. You must have seen that in your writing uh, over the years over and over. Absolutely. I think the idea that people underestimate the scope of a project is just, you know, again and again, um, this is just... If I were to uh, talk to somebody about this and they were telling me, well, you know, what should I plan for when I do this remodel? Here's the cost that was quoted to me. I think this is what I want to do. And you could even on this guy's shows, you see this all the time where they start with this budget in mind and then suddenly they discover other things. Right. You know? Houston, we even, have a problem. Yeah, exactly. And even if they've had a proper inspection something else comes up this something is discovered and you just have to you have to be prepared for for these things that come out of left field and when every dollar is important because you're looking at these equations and you know that you have to rent it out for a certain amount of money or that you're looking to sell it at some point for a certain am amount of money you, you you are really trapped into into this and then suddenly um, cost overruns can really ruin the whole investment for you. Uh, and that's why I like if you're going to, I, I you know, I, we talk, this is all about, you know, um, uh, income properties, but if you're remodeling your own home, look at the things that you like for yourself and would want around you. And that way you're not focusing so much on whether you're going to recoup the costs or whether you're going to be able to uh, cover the price of the renovation through rentals. I love that because then it's not, you're not thinking of it as an investment. You're thinking about it as a lifestyle. I'll tell you with my last home, we staged our house, which, you know, we could go over the statistics on that because they're amazing. The statistics there, people should always stage their house, I think. Uh, but, but, but I staged my, my house looks so, I spent so much money and time getting my house ready to sell. By the after we got it staged, I thought this thing looked like Pottery Barn, and it was amazing. I'm like, I would have loved <laughs> to have lived. To move. Yeah, I would have loved to have lived in this house. Unfortunately, we were moving across the country, but but I'm I'm totally with you. If I would have made those moves for me instead of to sell, I think I might have been happier living there. Yeah, a lot of times it's it's all about creating this environment that you enjoy being within, and I try to think that way when I think about remodeling any kind of house, whether it's for investment or not, or whether it's just to live in, um, create something you'd want to live in. And that should be the the basis of how you go about, uh, you know, trying to decide what to do. Len, this idea of making sure you get an inspection, it always amazes me when somebody skips on the inspection. It's like the biggest, biggest uh, investment most people are going to make is on a house and they decide not to get an inspection to save, you know, a few hundred bucks. But, but I, I've also heard the advice to go walk around the house with the inspector because there's a lot of things that doesn't make the report, but is super important. Did you walk around with your inspector when you had your latest house inspected? 
Yes, I did. And another thing I did is I vetted the inspector because you know, there's a oh, lot yeah. of people out there that, that are, I'll, I'll use the term masquerading as professional inspectors, and they really don't have a clue what they're doing. And they overlook a lot of things that they could be very costly and force, you know, get you to buy a house that you really shouldn't have bought. So, uh, yeah, that's, those are two things that you really should be doing. Walk around with them and vet him. Vet him. Yeah. And let me, can I go back and, and bring up one point about how I think Harlem brought it up, how, or maybe it was Paula, that, how you got to budget because things get out of hand, right, when you're remodeling. Uh, you know, we remodeled our master bath a, a couple of years ago. I went 25% over budget. It was a $20,000 master bath remodel. We ended up spending like $25,000. You know what the extra $5,000 was? Oh, no. It was, it was, no, it was bedroom furniture. It was our master bedroom. Well, you had to get the master bedroom refurnished because it's right next to the master bath, right? It, <laughs> it, honest to goodness. I mean, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that happens, right? Yeah. So a kitchen remodel, watch you. Oh, you remodel the kitchen. The next thing you, you know, oh, well, now we need new plates and we need new, you know, you just got to watch. You got to budget all that stuff ahead of time. Paula, do you just budget in? Yeah. But Paula, when you're when you're doing a property, do you budget in like an extra 15 percent just in case you're wrong or stuff that's going to come up? Oh, so let me let me pause here and just say there's a huge difference between renovating your own home and yeah. renovating an investment great, property. Great, great point. Great so point. you run a series of scenarios ranging from worst case to best case. And in your absolute worst case scenario, you estimate, all right, the lowest, you know, you, you make a very pessimistic assumption about what it'll rent for. You make extremely high assumptions about how much it'll cost to remodel, what the operating costs will be, what the vacancy rate will be. So you give it worst case scenario in every criteria. And that kind of gives you the bottom of the range. And you do the same thing, best case scenario, and then you see the top of the range. There's a temptation to be unduly precise. And that equation can really lead people, uh, that temptation to be unduly precise can very much lead people astray. So you have to plan in ranges rather than in hard precision. Because yeah, just to have that, that just to, yeah, to build that buffer in. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so just to be clear, yes. the answer was yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These roundtable discussions are just awesome. Absolutely love it. And I hate to press pause on it, but we have to tell you, if you go to stackofbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money is the number one place when it comes to comparison shopping for those things that you use every day, like a checking account, a savings account, for personal loans, uh, all of the above. Very easily and in private, you can head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and look at all the different products that are out there and very quickly find the right one for you. And one of those right ones is at SoFi, stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. When you head to SoFi, what you'll find is, is that very quickly you'll know if you're eligible to work with them or not. Uh, Dan Macklin said it takes less than 20 minutes and they'll give you the interest rate. They'll give you the loan terms. They'll spell it all out for you, which I really like. And because you use our link, you'll get $100 on that student loan refinance or that personal loan. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. And if you take just a little time to do that this weekend, I'd be so proud of you. Mom will be proud of you. We'll send you a sticker. How about that? Just tell us that you did it and we'll, we'll figure out a sticker. It was funny. I was actually getting a license plate for a car and uh, I was joking that I actually found my insurance on my phone. I went to my insurance provider for my car insurance and uh, pulled it up. She said, hey, you want to run to your car and get it? I said, I think I can get it on my phone. And I went and I got it. And then I told her, I said, I'm very proud of myself. Do I get a sticker? And she handed me a lollipop. So congratulations to me. Hey, here's something. This is pretty cool. From Buzz Indexes, uh, we've got Jamie Wise. Jamie's going to tell us about how they came up with the Buzz Index, what it's all about. Innovative fintech product. Let's talk uh, now to uh, Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes. And Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes joins us in the basement. Welcome, man. Hey, how are you? Good to be here. Thanks, Joe. I am so excited you could stop by Texarkana to explain this because I always wonder when new indexes are created, Jamie, like where were you and what were you thinking? Sure. Well, you know, for us, this process actually began 
Wow, over four years ago. And it was pretty clear at the time what some of the leading consumer product companies were doing with respect to mining social data to understand what their customers were thinking about their products, how they were perceiving their initiatives, and that they really could get a lot of value out of that feedback if they just could find a way to listen. So think of companies like Coca-Cola and Procter & Gamble and The Gap, understanding what their customers were saying about trends and fashions and likes, and really customizing marketing campaigns and product development around that. To me, in the investment world, this resonated directly. I could see back then that there were people talking about stocks you know, in the online world, and made that link to think about, wow, if we could listen to what people are saying, we could probably get some value out of that and, and really get some predictive insights into what may move stocks in the future. Is your background making indexes, Jamie, or is your background in the social media world? It's in neither, actually. My background <laughs> is in investing. You know, we run a hedge fund up here in Toronto. Uh, my background is in equity derivatives, convertible bonds, those types of investment strategies. But being a, a Canadian in the derivatives market, you're always thinking about you know new opportunities, new arbitrage opportunities, and, and new investment themes. So this is part of my uh, lifelong quest of continuing investment education. Well, and it's exciting. And I don't have to tell you how exciting this is being in the social media world because social media versus investing, we're just starting to see that appear in the fintech landscape. It's really quite topical. And when we started this four years ago, it was early days. And in fact, we had to postpone the project because we could see people talking about stocks, but it wasn't quite deep enough a level of conversation or a broad enough level of conversation where we could really get excited about the predictive insights and nature of it. And it all changed a couple of years ago when Twitter adopted the cash tagging methodology. So that's where you put the little dollar sign in front of the stock symbol. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, everyone online had a forum to go and, and find the conversation about IBM or General Electric or any other regular stock that they would own. And the, the conversation just exploded immediately. So now instead of people talking about, you know, small little penny stocks in a, in a message chat room or maybe a high-flying tech stock, it was really everyone talking about all of their investment portfolios. And, and the bigger the stock, the more widely held the stock, the more people were talking about it. Let's talk about specifically how it works then. Is it mostly Twitter that you're looking at, Jamie, Twitter in particular because of that hashtagging that you're talking about? Yeah, it's the cash tagging and, and Twitter is a big component of it, but it's not everything. Okay. Uh, what we found is people really use Twitter as a way to broadcast their conversation. So let's say you're a blogger and you've written, you know, maybe a longer form discussion about a stock. You'll likely advertise that blog through Twitter and, and tell the world, hey, I've just posted this, go check it out. So Twitter can be sort of the gateway to a lot of deeper and broader conversations. Um, but without doubt, Twitter is, is, uh, is sort of the main source and the starting point for financial conversation. And then you have, uh, I'm guessing you have computers then that are looking at the buzz and looking at some of the, I guess, the main players in that space? Sure, there's, there's millions and millions of data points a day of people talking about stocks and their investment portfolio. So, of course, it's, it's just absolutely impossible for any analyst or team of analysts to try and read through all of those conversations and, and rank them and score them and make sense of them. So, you know, the whole field of artificial intelligence and, and machine learning really helps us accomplish that and helps us, um, you know, understand the context of the conversation, the tone, the sentiment, and can actually read through these millions of posts every single day and, and come up with sort of an insight score into what are people generally feeling about this stock? Is that what you call it, an insight score? Like, is that the technical term you guys use? Yeah, we use insight score because it's, it's really more than just sentiment that we're after. You know, sentiment's a big part of it. We want to know if people are generally, you know, positive or negative about the investment prospects of a stock. But we actually look and listen for different things, including who is actually making the, the, the sort of the statement on online about that stock. You know, how influential are they? How big a reach do they have in the social media community? And also we look at how accurate they are. You know, we can track when, when Joe makes a comment about uh, Coca-Cola stock, is he generally good at predicting Coca-Cola stock price? Because he may be great at predicting Coke, but he may be awful at predicting Disney. And so we can measure all of those things, listen to what people are saying about the brand as well, and, and wrap it all up into what we call an insight score. That's amazing. And I hope for your sake, Jamie, you're not monitoring me because my ability to call any of that's horrible. 
<laughs> well, you'd be surprised. We listen to everyone. So if you're talking about stocks, I'm sure we're listening. How many stocks then do you pare it down to uh, to actually then have the index invest in? Sure. This this was the big leap for us. And, and really, it was a product of those early days of research where we weren't comfortable with the breadth of conversation. It just wasn't a deep enough level of discussion. So where there's you know 5,000 stocks that may trade across the US market on any day, and, and there may be people talking about all of them in, in different sort of quantities, what matters most is the depth of conversation. The more people talking about the stock, the more confidence you can have that what they're saying is not only going to propagate throughout the social media landscape, but is actually a reflection of people's purchase intent relating to that stock. So the first thing we do when we think about choosing names to be included in our index is we start by looking at the most talked about stocks within the online community. And we have a threshold that we take 5,000 stocks and the universe that we look at really comes down to about somewhere between 130 and 150 stocks on any given rebalance date. Those are the most talked about stocks. Once we identify them, then we can apply the algorithm onto those stocks to start thinking about what are people saying about them and is it positive or negative? When we run that algorithm through the models, we come up with a list of the top 75 most positively talked about stocks. Those are the stocks that get into the index each month. I'm looking at some of those names right now, and we'll have this uh, links here to everything on the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But as of April, Alphabet, of course, Google, Apple, Alcoa, Walt Disney, Gilead, Tesla's on here, Sirius XM, Ford Motor. Any of these names surprise you? Yes and no. You know, certainly there are the household names, types of names that you would expect people to be talking about online. What we found as the real big surprise in the index is that it's not just, you know, big growth companies or tech companies. Right. What we see also is names like Ford or, or GM, or even recently we've seen Valiant come into the index. So, you know, no one is going to confuse these stocks for, you know, high flying, really high multiple price momentum stocks. But what we found is the discussion online around those types of stocks really focus on the concept of value, right? Either the stock had been, you know, fallen to a point where people perceive it to be a good investment opportunity or it's trading at a low multiple. So you get this combination, almost this barbell approach in the portfolio where you have ta people talking in an excited way about stocks that are really moving and geared to go higher, or you have people talking about stocks that really represent good value from an investment perspective. It's so fascinating because you're not going to find an index like this because you're right, the weightings of these stocks as I look at them, they're all over the place. You and I had a discussion once about the wisdom of crowds and about how this specifically, you know, the center of this bullseye is that whole idea of the wisdom of crowds. Yeah, it's all trying to find an environment where you can foster good group decision-making. You know, the stock market in and of itself is the ultimate determinant of sentiment, right? Where a stock goes up or down every single day, it's because there are more everyday people who either want to buy or sell that stock. And everyone for a long time has really understood that sentiment is a key metric that determines stock price, at least in the short or medium term. But the problem has always been, how do you measure sentiment? And, you know, for the last 10, 20, 30 years, people have been trying to gauge that generally through surveys. So, you know, you'd have companies calling people up and saying, you know, how do you feel about the stock market generally? But those types of traditional surveys really are suspect in the sense that, they're geared towards negative biases. When someone calls you and asks you your feeling about a stock, you're thinking about what does that person want to hear? How should I respond? How are others potentially responding? And, and it leads to a whole bunch of negative outcomes, which has trained the financial world to think of those sentiment-based surveys as contrarian in nature. We're used to hearing everyone's wildly bullish, this must be the top, or you know, sentiment is so low, this has to be the bottom. What we're doing, what the social media landscape provides is real independence and objectivity of opinion expression. So people online are not being asked for their opinion on Tesla right. stock. Right. They're voluntarily putting it out there because they want people's feedback. They want to attain influence. They want to engage with other investors and understand their views. And that's a very different environment for people to be broadcasting their feelings relative to a traditional survey. And it's available as an ETF. It's the Sprott Buzz. Social Media Insights ETF, BUZ. When you first saw that come online, that was in April, Jamie? 
Yes, we launched the index last year and licensed it to Sprott and their colleagues at Alps to distribute it in an ETF form. What we wanted to do is bring this technology and this this style of investing to the masses and something that was easily accessible and really convenient. And of course, an ETF structure is exactly that. Even for a jaded hedge fund guy, seeing this uh, name in light, seeing BUZ up on the index had to be a cool moment. Well, I'm not a jaded hedge fund guy, but what I am is a hedge fund guy who saw all of my you know, competitor hedge funds using this type of technology uh, within their own hedge fund offerings. So you know, the institutional world, which is typical, has been ahead of the curve on this and has really been staffing up on, on these types of technologies to try and glean insights from the online community, from big data to help them in their investment portfolios. The trouble is that doesn't help you and me as in our everyday investment accounts. And and we thought that it's time that we bring something to market that is really accessible to everyone. So it's ticker symbol B-U-Z. If you're out walking the dog or on your drive to work or home, we'll have the link in the show notes, stackingbenjamins.com. We're going to start calling you, Jamie. Jamie, the non-jaded hedge fund guy. How about that? I appreciate it. <laughs> the, new, the new social <laughs> media right. hedge fund guy. That's right. And by the way, what's cool is we're going to start this is an announcement for people that listen to the Stacky Benjamin show regularly. You're going to be in our headlines once a month talking about changes in the index. That'll be pretty exciting. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Look forward to it. It's always amazing to see some things that you might find counterintuitive, but really reflect the opinions of the many when it comes to investing. And we get some really interesting insights out of the index. So looking forward to sharing that with you. And for more on the Buzz Indexes, glad to have them on board the show starting in September. Head to buzzindexes.com, by the way, for more on the index and on how it works, how they connect with the world of social. All right, let's head back to my dad, Shortwave, and our awesome discussion with Paul Pant from Afford Anything, Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com, and our special guest, Harlan Landis from adulting.tv and the Plutus Awards. Let's move on to our last article because we are going to have some fun. Not that we're not already having fun, but this is pretty wild. Comes to us from Travel and Leisure magazine, travelandleisure.com. 19-year-old Dutch man earned 1 million miles by hacking United Airlines. How great is that? He hacked a major airline. Uh, Oliver Begg, a 19-year-old security researcher based in the Netherlands, flew to Las Vegas for hacker conferences this week using part of a bounty of a million frequent flyer miles he earned from United Airlines as part of a challenge to help the company fix security flaws on its website. Imagine if you've got a million miles and you can go anywhere you want. But I don't want to ask you guys that question. What I want to ask is, let's say that you can hack any program, hack anything except for like a bank where you get money or something where you automatically get money. What exactly would you hack? Let's start, Paula, with you. So this guy, instead of hacking into the airline, he helped the airline find security flaws and they rewarded him. So it's completely legitimate. So if I had the capability to do that, I would do that. And just to be clear, just to be Uh clear for everybody listening, that's actually what we're talking about. We're We're not talking about stealing and hacking. We're talking about helping out your fellow man by, and then being rewarded in a ton of miles. But once again, he, he gets all these miles, right? So other people can't hack it. W- what program would you use or would you I, do? I would go for airline miles, totally. It would be airline miles. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. How come? Because I love to travel and uh, often, depending on what country you go to, the flight is the most expensive part. So if you knock the cost of the flight out of the equation by buying it with miles, you've just halved the cost of travel, if not more. First place you go? Ooh, that's a tough one. If I could just freely spend miles and I didn't have to budget them, I would fly business class to South Africa. Awesome. And then do a big African tour. I'd go to Lesotho and Kenya and Tanzania and make a six months of it. Friends of ours just got back from there and it was fantastic. So that would be, it'd be an amazing place to go. Len Penzo, because we're going to give our guests the last word on this one. Len, <laughs> Len, what would you hack? I think I would hack the uh, Benny Hanna's uh, uh, restaurant. <laughs> of course you would, because you love that place. 
I do love, I love that place. Yes, I do. So you could have uh, then every meal at Benihana. Everything on the menu twice. Yep. Yeah. Benihana, yep. if you want to sponsor the show, because we're <laughs> talking hey, about. Hey, Chef's Table. If you're listening, Benihana. Hey, you know what Benihana means, by the way? I do not. It means uh, Len's favorite place. <laughs> no, I think it means red rose or red flower. I think that's what that means. Ah, I'm sure we'll get a note telling us exactly what it means now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and Benihana, if you're uh, interested, uh, give me a call. I'm at thepersistentitch.com. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Had to get that in. Oh, it's been a month, but but we still got the persistent itch in. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when's the last time you went to Benihana? Three weeks ago, maybe. Do you get, yeah. the, do you get the same person that's slicing and dicing every time? No. And you know what's funny? I'd say 95% of the chefs aren't Asian. They're where I live in Southern California. They're Hispanic. The best chef I ever had at Benihana was from Peru and he was amazing. And when we were talking to the manager about how amazing he was, uh, they told us that everybody says that about Luis and he's got like, we, we got lucky that we came at one of the few times that he's not already reserved for X table. <laughs> this guy was incredible. He was so amazing. He was such a, he, he, so what was his signature move? I don't remember his signature move. I just remember that he kept me entertained, laughing and engaged. And the other thing he was able to do, he like, have you ever been at a place like Benihana for people that haven't been to Benihana, you're all sitting at this big hibachi table together with other families. And the thing that happens is sometimes you'll talk to the people across the table. This guy had us all talking to each other. Like he just had everybody interacting with each other. And it was amazing. By the time he left, I felt like I was sitting with a bunch of my BFFs and we all had to have charm bracelets made yep. because we were, we were best friends. He was great at his job. That is when it's the best, when you're interacting with the people at the other end of the table and next to you who you don't know. It, it really is fun. And let me just tell you, the, the, not the last guy I had. I, I think his name is George, believe it or not. He said, you know, I'm your chef and I'm Georgia. But his signature move he took, you know, the shrimp tail, you know, they always do the, usually put it in their hat. The sh they'll put it in their hat. This guy put all of them in his hat, except for the last one. He flicked it in the air. Then he batted it with the spatula and it went in one of the guy across from me right into his drink. Perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> and he meant for that to happen. <laughs> yes. He meant for that to happen. <laughs> it's like, I think I'll be an error right there. That's a free drink. That was awesome. Oh, that's hilarious. So he told you ahead of time he called a shot? Okay, no, he didn't call the shot. I guarantee you that was a look, it was perfect. Yes. There's no he he did a baseball swing to get it. You know, normally you're you're hitting it into your hat, right? Yes. So he hit them all into his hat except the last one that he it was a side flick and it went right into the guy's drink. It was <laughs> Paula Pan, have you been to Benihana? <laughs> uh years ago, yes. I uh, I've been to a Benihana. Back when you were twelve, you went for your birthday? <laughs> and when I was 12, we used to go to this Mexican restaurant called Chi-Chi's. Yes. That, was, that was where I went every birthday. Cheryl and my there first... There Chi-Chi's around me when I was growing up, too. <laughs> so, but Chi-Chi, uh, Cheryl and I, we had our first date at Chi-Chi's. And, of course, our waiter's name was Ben. I still remember Ben. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was that, that, that good times back at Chi the old Chi-Chi's. <laughs> What happened to Chi-Chi's? What happened to this podcast? Harlan, <laughs> Har Harlan, save us. What would you do if you had the chance to hack anything except a bank? Okay, except a bank. Um, I think what I would do, I mean, there's, of course, the airline miles, but that's kind of, that's what we've already talked about that. But I think I would go for something that is more, whether it's Ticketmaster or something, something where I can go see some entertainment because I, I love live music and shows. Oh. So I think for me, it would be get a million points in Ticketmaster or something so I could just just see all the shows that I want to see. Right. So, you, so you're making that Ticketmaster recent settlement like 40 times bigger so you can see whatever, whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. And where you live, you probably get tons of great acts that come through. Well, I live close to New York, so yeah. I don't go there as often as I should. There's always lots of great stuff going on. In Philly, of course, there's uh, tons of music and good theater as well. So uh, lots of great stuff near me. I'm, I'm lucky to live out here. That's, that's fantastic. Anybody you'd see, first act you'd see. 
I would go see Ben Folds. He's one of my favorite musicians, and uh, I always seem to miss his tours uh, when he comes around. So that's probably what what I would go for first. And then, of course, you know, I'd I'd dig up some of the old '70s bands like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, and and make sure I see them, you know, through uh, time travel. <laughs> Absolutely, because you, you got that too. I mean, yeah, right. If, if you can yeah, hack can all that time travel, that's right. It's a big one-two punch. You know, Ben Folds on my way when I go to to Michigan. If I, we we drive there, we go through. Effingham, Illinois, and if you know Ben Folds, he's got a song I think called Effington because he couldn't because yeah. re- he couldn't remember the name of the town and he got it wrong, and then it was funny <laughs> that he got it wrong. But every time I go through Effingham, I think of Ben Folds. So good, yep, that's a great song. Good, good stuff. Paula, what's the first band you go see? <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't really like uh, concert. I think I just don't like being in big crowds. They they have concerts in small places sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah, I. I don't know the concert world very well. I have to admit, it's, it's not do. my core competence. I, I don't know movies. I don't know TV. I'm not really <laughs> sure about concerts. Well, um, I don't know yeah. real estate investing, so it, <laughs> it all evens out. That's right. <laughs> There's only room in your brain for so much, you know? I mean, if you focus, you'll be good at something, which is my problem. I don't focus. So, all right, guys. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. So let's start off. Paula, what's going on over there at that crazy place known as Afford Anything? Uh, at Afford Anything, I, well, at Afford Anything, um, on affordanything.com, I am uh, once again sharing uh, the income, expenses, and amount of time that I've spent on all of my rental properties. So I do a monthly report uh, just fully disclosing what all of that is. So you can check affordanything.com to get the latest report. And on the Afford Anything podcast, we've got interviews with Really awesome authors, including Chris Gillibo, Laura Vanderkam, Gretchen Rubin, Cal Newport, and Gene Chatsky. So that is all coming up. Let's talk about all-star lineup. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. And we'll link to those at stackybenjamins.com in the show notes. Len Penzo, what's happening at lenpenzo.com? Hey, you know what I'm, I'm going to talk about here is um, Mikey Rocks, who wrote one of the articles we talked about today. Uh, he has an article coming out on my site called Nine Common Wedding Planning Mistakes That Will Drain Your Bank Account. And it was a very interesting piece. So uh, it's at lenpenzo.com. Come on by and check it out. Maybe we should talk about that one next week, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll stir the pot a okay. little. By the way, do you think Mikey Rocks is his real name? Like, should I change my name to Joey Rocks? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Or maybe it'd be Joey Totally Rocks. <laughs> I don't know if that's his. I love Mikey. He's a good. He's a good guy. I really like him. Yeah, but it just seems like a stage name. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. We got to find out. Uh, Harlan, thanks for playing. I bet you're wondering by now what the hell you're doing here. Uh, no, I just love it every time I'm here. <laughs> well, tell us what's going on at adulting.tv because Miranda told us when she came by that if you go to adulting.com or something like that, you end up at a site that really is a little whole different thing. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. We we don't want to direct people there. Just oh, come oh, to adulting.tv. Yes. Oh, that wasn't. That's not your. I no, was well, we're 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 oh. you're branching off into uh, some interesting stuff. Okay, but you know it's funny. Yeah, we do say. we do talk about lots of things on the site, including relationships and sex. So it's uh we we talk all about being an adult, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Not just finances, it's relationships, it's life, it's career, it's money. It's it's a lot of fun too. This other adulting site looks pretty fun, too. <laughs> you know that because you just went there, you now have a virus on your computer. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see about that. going to have to explain, so we'll- the, explain that to the honeybee. <laughs> Uh, and then we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Plutus Foundation. Tell us about the Plutus Foundation for a second, Harlan. Sure. Well, I launched uh, the Plutus Foundation last year. It dovetails off of the Plutus Awards, and the Plutus Awards have been around for seven years or so. And now this is a way for the financial media community to give back. There's one project that we have in the works right now, and we're going to be excited to talk a little bit about that in the coming months. You know, this is a great resource for the financial media community. So it's just a way for us to, to support programs and things that are important to all of us in the community. If a lot of financial literacy that uh, you talk about there, which is... Pow- it's a, and financial literacy is a huge piece of this, yes. Powerful and something that we need. If somebody wants to uh, get involved or wants more information on it, where do they go? They just go to PlutusFoundation.org. Excellent. Guys, thanks for... Pl- we'll have links to all those, everybody's stuff at our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Thanks a lot for playing, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank 
and that's going to do it for this week. Puts a nice little bow on it. Hey, got to tell you a little bit about what's going on here. We play a game on Fridays, and right now we're just finishing up Julie's Friday number game. So what we did was this game where you gave us the biggest number coincidence that you could think of. And if you go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash numbers, you will go to the place that you can vote. Please only uh, vote once. We're doing that on the honor system. Uh, so we're going to leave that open probably uh, till around September 15th. It says we've had 125 votes so far. Grandmother's birthday is leap year. So they took a trip to celebrate her and her granddaughter's 13th birthday last year. That's awesome. Uh, the words stacking Benjamins and binary numbers take 72 digits going along with our love of the rule of 72. When dating, uh, this couple found out their garage door quotes for their parents were exactly the same. And uh, Chuck's daughter's birthday was 111 and the bank canceled her bank card because they thought that it was fraudulent because of the 111. So those are the four finalists. Vote for your favorite at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash numbers. But I'll bet if you're a longtime listener to the show, you're wondering, when are we starting the new game? Well, guess what, guys? We start it next week. We have a brand new game coming, and we'll tell you more about that game next Friday. But it's a suggestion, again, from one of you, and I uh, can't wait to debut that. So let's talk about what's coming up. If you subscribe to the Green Room podcast, and by the way, if you don't know how to subscribe to podcasts, you just happen by the Stacky Benjamins website and you listen to it there. You know, if you subscribe, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, these will automatically appear whenever we have new episodes. So it makes it really easy. I know that I personally use Stitcher. The sound quality is not as good as it is on some other apps, but I have all my favorites loaded in and all I do is just click on my favorites list and I see which ones have updated that morning and then just press the button for the one that updated and it starts playing. So uh, really great way to listen to podcasts is by subscribing. We have subscribe buttons at stackybenjamins.com. You'll find them along the right-hand side to subscribe to the show or on any of our show notes pages, you can subscribe. But we have a second podcast called The Green Room, which is behind the scenes discussions about the making of this show, which takes a lot more work than I ever thought a podcast would take, and longer interviews with some of our guests. We actually, it's funny, I have notes for the Stacking Benjamins interviews. I don't use any notes for the Green Room episodes. And a lot of the time, because they're so free-flowing, those are more fun interviews than the ones that we have here. Uh, they go all over the place because we don't have notes. And it's just kind of a free-flowing conversation. But if you ever wanted to really know what some of these smart people are thinking that we have on the show about different topics than maybe expressly what they're talking about on the show, we're going to cover that. And it's funny, coming up in a couple of weeks, Professor William Thistle, who is here on Wednesday. What a great show that was, huh? Actually, the Paychecks and Balances guys, Rich and Wim, just amazing. Maybe my favorite line of the week was something that Wim said. He said, I had a plan. It was the no plan plan. And I love that. Not having a plan is still a plan. Uh, just a great, great line about finance or life or, or whatever. But anyway, Professor Bert Thistle and I, after the main interview, we talked about target date funds. We talked about them for quite a while. And so that's uh, going to be a Green Room episode coming up soon. But wherever you listen to podcasts, just put in Stacking Benjamin's Green Room. Subscribe to that show. It's a different subscription, completely free like this one is, and enjoy that. But we also have vintage episodes, and we'll have another one of those tomorrow for you. And, and we're thinking about moving that to Thursday, now that we no longer have a Thursday show over there going Tuesday, Thursday instead of Tuesday, Saturday. So, all right, coming up next week, the wealthy yogi on Monday, Dr. Roshana Novellis. This woman is a dynamo. It's easier for me to tell you what she hasn't done than what she's done, but she is a big advocate of a budget and a budget gets rid of your constraints. So she's going to talk budgeting. We ask her a multitude of questions on budgeting, on beginning a business, uh, and if you get in trouble with the IRS, filing taxes, because she's worked with the IRS before, uh, she's done a ton of stuff. Roshana Novellis coming down to the basement on Monday. And then on Wednesday, if you've ever thought about flipping houses, if you've ever thought about funding flipping houses, right? Where you don't have to do the work. You just put some of the capital up. It's risky investment. Let me tell you that. But uh, Matt Rodak from fundthatflip.com, 
you know, a lot of these new crowdfunding rules that are out there have made it easier for people to do riskier things like this. So Matt Rodak's going to tell you all the things that could go wrong when doing that. So if you're going to dip your foot into that end of the pool, that you don't get burned. And it's funny, a lot of my top entrepreneurs back when I was a financial planner, they were some of the, you know, people would think that they were big risk takers. They're not big risk takers. They actually do things people think are risky, but they really know a lot of the variables going in. It's like a guy I knew that was a structural engineer back in Michigan. He said that whenever they build a highway, the first thing they do is think about all the things that could go wrong and they build contingencies to get rid of all those. And only once those contingencies are accounted for, then they start building the road. That is what we're going to be doing on Wednesday. So if you're interested in flipping houses or in funding flipping houses, uh, Matt Rodak is going to be here. And then, of course, on Friday, we've got another fun roundtable for you. Uh, Greg McFarlane, back in the basement. Going to be fun. All right. That's going to do it. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you Saturday over on the Green Room episode or back here Monday. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. This show is the property of SB Podcast, LLC. The show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Special thanks to Jamie Wise from Buzz Indexes. Find out more about Buzz Indexes at buzzindexes.com. The Buzz Index trades as ticker symbol BUZ. Special thanks to Paula Pant from affordanything.com. Special thanks to Harlan Landis from adulting.tv. And special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done. (laughs) Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, O.G., who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.